think the, um, the, 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 the most important thing is to challenge people to be innovative in the sense of thinking, how do we develop new knowledge? Mm -hmm. And that's not just a mechanical process, meaning it's not just technical, it's about everything you do. And this is more than just problem solving. Lots of people engage in problem solving. They see a one-off problem and they're solving it. We're thinking about the system as a whole and how do you, how do you bring innovation to improve the process, eliminate the waste, reduce errors, eliminate that. And then I think the best thing mechanically is people who have done it before. You can talk about some of the people that, and, the, and the courage they have to, to push. You know, it's, it's a combination of skills because you have certain people who are very innovative and creative and they can, they can see things that others can't. But then, and we have some remarkable people who have done that, um, but you also have to have people who can say, well, I'm not good at that. But I do see the, the germ of that idea, and I can take it and shape it and help. And then you have to bring others in who say, okay, that's a pretty good idea, but what if we did this and that and have a challenge culture where people are comfortable being wrong and where you know, people can challenge each other. So that the, the first idea may have been a very good one, but may not be refined enough to be the ultimate end mm -hmm. idea. And then the whole game of how do you commercialize, execute, implement, I mean, that's... Uh, that's very important too. Welcome to Jefferson Parish Pulse, powered by Jedco, a podcast designed to showcase the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make up the heartbeat of the Jefferson Parish economy. I'm Kelsey Scram. We are closing out our first season of Jefferson Parish Pulse with a really exciting episode. This week, we shook things up a bit and interviewed two people on the show, Jay LaPere, president of Latrum, and Edel Blanks, president and CEO of Intralox, which is an operating division of Latrum. Latrum is a vibrant, forward-thinking manufacturer with a long-term commitment to innovation, integrity, and continuous improvement across its operating divisions. The company manufactures everything from modular plastic conveyor belt technologies and seafood processing equipment to stairs. The company has hundreds of patents and has made a name for itself both here in the region and around the globe because of its commitment to service and excellence. Jay Edel and I talked about having a strong business philosophy, creating a culture of excellence, working with an engaged, active support system in Jefferson Parish, and what it takes to be a global competitor in a rapidly changing economic climate. I'm delighted to be here with Jay LaPere, President of Latrum, and Edel Blanks, President and CEO of Intralox. Thank you both so much for making time to be on the show. Great to be here. Good to be here. Let's start at the very beginning. Jay, your father started this business with an idea in 1943, and that's how the first automatic shrimp peeling machine and eventually Latrum was born. Can you give us a quick history lesson on how Latrum came to be? Sure. That's, uh, that's really a, a fun story. My father, J.M. LaPere, was a 16-year-old boy working in his father's uh, shrimp canning plant, and he would walk around uh, stepping on shrimp with his rubber boots and contemplating, how could you do this automatically? And so then he had the idea of taking them, taking them home and putting them through the, uh, those old ring dryers before you put the clothes on the clothesline to squeeze the, uh, the excess water out. And, uh, of course, his mother was not delighted with that approach. <laughs> But from there, uh, he just had the perseverance. I think that's probably the most important thing. I think everything we've ever done 
it's you don't know the outcome, and so you imagine this this uh, this kid uh, thinking he can he can change the world in terms of how shrimp are processed, and he just has the perseverance to stick with it. So five or six years later, uh, and then when he was in college, they uh, they kept refining the machine, and then ultimately turned into a business a couple of years after he was out of college. So pretty amazing. And then every idea since I think has been the same journey. It's um, Somebody has an idea. Most people think it's stupid. person sticks with it, and, uh, and we keep chirping at it. So 76 years later, mm-hmm. uh, we're sitting in the Latrim headquarters in Harahan, which is home to not just one operating division, but three, with 11 locations all over the world. Um, can you talk about those divisions of Latrim? What do they do? Sure. Uh, maybe, Dale, you can talk Intralox first. and then uh, Sure. Well, Intralox, um, we make modular plastic conveyor belts and related uh, products and services. And so we are servicing and supplying to factories around the world. So anything in the grocery store or most anything in the grocery store is carried on our belts. Uh, the hmm. tires on your car are carried on our belts. Wow. Um, a lot of the parcels you get from online retailing are carried on our, our products. Excellent. Yeah, and machinery is uh, makes uh, cooking equipment for general food processing, and then we uh, focus primarily on uh, on shrimp and uh, uh, processing, which can mean grating, peeling, sorting, um, and um, uh, deveining that sort of thing. So I'm delighted that we started with shrimp so so many years ago, and that's still something that you guys do today it really is a huge huge part of your your business yeah well i think what we would say is the old days we were shrimp peelers and today we're precision shrimp processors it's much uh several several levels of uh, of iteration and enhancement on on the technology your products are found all over the world um how, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot stairs. Oh, uh, yeah. St- stair, <laughs> stairs are pretty much everywhere stairs <laughs> so that's that would be lapair stair Yes, we make an alternating tread stair that's a, it's a space-saving stair. And if you, I couldn't describe it, but if you've seen it, uh, it it's, it's an industrial stair that saves space. And then we make uh, egress stairs for a second access, things of that nature. And that's really more of a business model where we're, we're making a precision stair so that um, we, we've just improved the quality of, uh, of those stairs and, and, and logically eliminate a lot of the waste in the process. You, you start with a shrimp peeling, and then you're at, at stairs and conveyor belts. How did, how did that come about, that you, you started at this one kind mm-hmm. of niche, and now you're in everything, it sort mm-hmm. of feels like? Mm-hmm. Well, everything's a stretch, uh, but, <laughs> but we're in a lot of things. Uh, the, my father had, uh, had a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them did not materialize, but uh, the ones that he did – the basics of these businesses started with with his ideas, but we've had people who really bring uh, tr- incredible levels of innovation and probably a lot more productive because we're linking it to targets where we already know the opportunities there. So we bring the commercial focus, we identify the opportunity, and then we and then we uh, we grow from there. So, but all three of these were in place as basic businesses uh, from my father's ideas, and I would say that that the biggest um, innovation is the LMH, and you can talk about that. Yeah. From that well, also on, your, on, on the belting <coughs> side, initially that was in response to a problem with metal belts and shrimp peelers. Hmm. Uh, okay. So that's how the modular plastic belt line got invented. So I there see. is a connection uh, to, to that. Sure. Um, I guess recently over the last 
a decade, but primarily over the last five years, our logistics business has exploded with a, a different innovation, which is a, a roller that protrudes on both the up through the belt and enables us to move packages and sort them in really revolutionary ways for the major suppliers, uh, UPS, FedEx, mm -hmm. Amazon, U.S. Post Office. Uh, so that is a, a fast-growing uh, an exciting business for us. That's fantastic. And I've seen some of the videos. I did a little research before I came over and I just, it like yes. blows my mind that you can get the packages mm -hmm. to move in all these different yeah. directions and how they know. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's, it's a great example of someone taking an existing product though and looking at it and thinking creatively about yeah. what could be done with it. Uh, right. I love that. Um, so where are your products found in the world and how do they make things easier for your clients? And I think you've touched on this just a little bit, but, you know, if there's a, a simpler way to say it or something along those lines. Well, on the belt side of the, of the business, excluding the logistics business, which is mostly in the United States, most of our products go overseas. So okay. more than, a, than 50% are sold wow. overseas. Did so we're really selling that. to... Uh, Many global customers. Okay. Uh, so you think of Michelin or Goodyear. These are very global sure. kinds of businesses. So we have significant operations in Europe, uh, both with a headquarters location in Amsterdam, assembly locations there. We have operations in Shanghai and in Melbourne, uh, a, a facility in Brazil, uh, India. Uh, so we've, we're organized to service accounts, customers all over the world, to provide them the same level of service there that they would receive here. Yeah, and I would describe the business as um, any industry that's that's indoors. Uh, you're probably going to find 80% uh, of those are going to have conveyors and, and conveyor belts, and that's going to be light duty, and, and we're likely going to be involved in those. So it's going to be improving productivity, improving sanitation. Mm. Uh, those are our games. When I think about Latrum, when, when the folks at Jedco think about Latrum and all of its operating divisions, we think about innovation. I read recently that there were more than 1,400 active patents across all operating divisions. Um, Latron generates more patents than any company or university in Louisiana. How do you do this? Uh, I think Edel just touched on it. We're, we're, we're organized by uh, industry so we can see where the needs are in a given industry. And if you pick uh, the tire industry, for example, you can look at them in an application, a Goodyear, a Michelin, or a Cooper, or whatever, and you can go in and solve a problem. And once you do that, then you can scale it globally for the multinational companies. So we can afford to put what I'll call PhD-level brains on a mm. problem, knowing that if we solve it, it's going to be uh, rewarding. The, um, the 1400, though, is includes uh, the uh, in international patents. So that's probably not reflective of distinct ideas. I'm not sure how many we have active, but in our history, U.S. patents would probably be closer to four or 500, I would guess, something okay. like that. Right. So 1,400 is internationally. Includes U.S. and international. Okay. So if you have one idea and you patent it in six places, well, that's going to be, that's going to sure. multiply the number a bit. But those are active, and in our history, we've had a ton of patents that, we've, that have expired, but we continue to innovate. And that was the point you made about no other organization in Louisiana. We, we do generate more U.S. patents than any other organization, or univer including universities. One, one advantage that we have, I think, is the culture of thinking long-term, that we're not necessarily looking for short-term results. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, we want results all, you know, when we get them. But, sure. But the, the thinking and the whole mindset is long-term, and therefore, you can invest in 
innovation. You can't invest in new ideas and have, they never go exactly as you plan. It's never just a, you know, somebody comes up with an idea and aha, it's a commercial success. It never goes like that. At least my experience, my experience <laughs> right. is it takes a lot of perseverance, a lot of investment, a lot of learning, uh, going through some adversity. Um, so I think the long-term perspective that we have is a big deal. Wonderful. Yeah. I would say most have a similar cycle. They start with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. <laughs> then, then after some work, they go into the valley of despair. And then after yeah. some more work, you start to creep out of that after losing enough yeah. money to gain the experience. <laughs> and then you start figuring out, well, this is even bigger than we thought. And that's kind of yeah. how it's been, right? That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. How do you find the right people that are inventing? I mean, these products are incredible and i mean how do you find the people with that just have these these innovative minds where are you finding them how are you finding them what do you look for in a in an employee well you can chime in edel but i think the um the, the 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 most important thing is to challenge people to be innovative in the sense of thinking how do we develop new knowledge mm-hmm. and that's not just a mechanical process meaning it's not just technical it's about everything you do and this is more than just problem solving. Lots of people engage in problem solving. They see a one-off problem and they're solving it. We're thinking about the system as a whole and how do you, how do you bring innovation to improve the process, eliminate the waste, reduce errors, eliminate that. And then I think the best thing mechanically is people who have done it before. And you can talk about some of the people that, and, the, and the courage they have to, to push. Yeah, I think you, you know, it's, it's a combination of skills because you have certain people who are very innovative and creative and they can they can see things that others can't but then and we have some remarkable people uh, who have done that um, but you also have to have people who can say well I'm not good at that but I do see the the germ of that idea and I can take it and shape it and help and then you have to bring others in who say okay that's a pretty good idea but what if we did this and that and have a challenge culture where people are comfortable being wrong and where you know people can challenge each other so that the, the first idea may have been a very good one, but may not be refined enough to be the ultimate end mm-hmm. idea. And then the whole game of how do you commercialize, execute, implement, I mean, that's, uh, that's very important too. Yeah, I'd, 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 uh, I think you mentioned it, but just to, to, to really make sure it's clear, the, the, the point is that, that everyone is organized with their, with their commitment to try to figure out how to make something better. They're not trying to figure out how to win the debate. They're not trying to figure out be right. But we want to reward that type of challenge culture that's a sort of an intense effort to find the truth, what's best here. That's the goal. <clears throat> that's fantastic. Um, Edel, you are the president and CEO of Intralox, as I mentioned earlier. Um, over the last 40 years, the company has become one of the leading providers of conveyor solutions in the global market. Can you talk about what it takes to compete globally, particularly given recent transformations in the fast-changing global market and in the international trade policy? Well, so it's a lot in one, one yes, question. Yes, it's a big uh, question. <laughs> we can divide uh, that up. Uh, you, know, you know, being very good at what you do um, and continuously improving at a rapid rate um, really is what matters. Um, our customers just want us to provide uh, outstanding value. They're counting on us to help them prevent downtime, uh, to make them more productive, to make their food safer. Whatever their major issues are, they're counting on us for that. And we have to be very good at at doing that. Um, Our customers are all over the world. Our competitors are all over the world. 
We have very large competitors. We have lots of small competitors. We have competitors everywhere. And, sure. and things are moving faster today because of technology. I mean, the trade situation is, a, you know, is putting a bit of a scare through the market and through our customer base because the uncertainty uh, creates doubt on capital spending and other investments. But I think as long as we continue to focus on having the right people, the right culture, and adding customer value – and not drifting into bureaucracy or worrying about things that don't matter or, or you know, having the wrong behaviors, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, it's a, d- a deep focus on what we can control, mm-hmm. what we can influence and control. That's what, that's what we just, and you can't uh, put, uh, you can't allow yourself to be distracted by, uh, by that uncertainty, but it certainly uh, comes back when you're dealing with investment. Uh, mm-hmm. The political uncertainty causes a lot of uh, delays and a lot of, uh, you know, what do we do next? And, and the, the, the logical response to that is, well, let's pause. And sure. I think that's, uh, that's one of the problems when you don't make things predictable. That's, that's one of the, the things that's important to us in our own investments and in our own business is being in a place that's predictable where the laws are consistent, uh, where you know, things aren't going to change overnight. Uh, is a big deal when you're making the kinds of investments we're making uh, here in here in Louisiana. And that was, I think, one of the things that you had mentioned when you had originally taken a look at these questions was talking about the need for rational government. Um, and that ties in with this question in particular about, you know, what it takes to be the best, but also, you know, focus, staying focused on, you know, you guys can only do what you what is in your control. But it is good to have some government that's making decisions that are helpful for your business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that a little bit, or am I even in the right vein when I'm saying that? Well, I think I think what you know, if you if you look at uh, you know Jefferson Parish, I think what I would describe it as a bin, business friendly environment, mm-hmm. where uh, and Jedco in particular uh, is is very good at thinking through well. What can we do to make uh, t- to make business this attractive to business, and mm-hmm. and how do we work to do that? And the the basics are uh, the nine on the ten scale is uh, an attractive place for people to live uh, because if you have if you have a, a place where people want to live, then you know you're going to have a high quality uh, employment base to uh, to choose from. And mm-hmm. I think uh, so. You you look at at that predictable. Uh, basics, which are going to be, you know, protecting lives and property, which is, you know, flooding, drainage, uh, police, uh, the courts, all those sorts of things. You're going to look at education. You're going to be trying to make the schools good. And then Jefferson is also uh, ideally positioned from a location point of view. We're, we're, we're sort of close to the airport. We can, we can pull from resident areas from all over, and we're still not far from what I'll call the the tourist mecca of downtown, which is uh, which is great. So all those are big pluses. Such a big deal in global competition to be able to attract talent and to retain talent. I mean, there's, there's such an important thing, and I think all the things you talked about go to yeah. that. You know, when we're bringing someone in to relocate to uh, to Louisiana, to New Orleans, to Jefferson Parish, uh, you know, all of the things that Jay just talked about matter. Mm. Yeah. And speaking about the global success and your successes, um, you know, we have been fortunate at JEDCO to host visitors from other countries who have an interest in learning more about Jefferson Parish. 
both as a potential community option for new business and investment, and also just to see how we do things. The Latrum Complex is always on the list of businesses that we tour because it is a global leader in the manufacturing industry. So let's talk about the clear success of this company. What sets you apart? Um, what makes this business an industry leader? And I think you guys have talked about some of these things already, but you know, we just want to really hit home how much of a success story Latrum is. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we think in terms of culture, uh, as the as the central driver, but if you look at all of the, the the aspects, and I'll come back to culture. You know, you have to get the people. Well, the people are going to come, and you're going to attract the kind of people you want if they're in the right kind of culture. Then you have to have the structure, the strategies, the systems, the processes. All those things have to also uh, work. But our our culture is foundationally win-win. We see the world as win-win. We uh, we we don't see the world. You know, politics in the political world is pretty much win-lose. You go to the vote, you vote. You know, you, my side lost, my side wins, and everybody uh, celebrates. We, in business, uh, everyone benefits. Uh, when, when a customer benefits, uh, they buy a product from us. Uh, they, uh, they like our products and services. We benefit because we get paid. Our employees benefit. Uh, so we're constantly challenging ourselves to, to make each other better, uh, and, the, and the organizing uh, focus around that is uh, delivering uh, a, a, a continually improving products and services to customers, better understanding their needs, and continue to push ourselves. And that requires lots of different elements. It means that someone has to be introspective. I know my weaknesses better than anyone else knows them. I need to know them that way, and I need to be thinking, uh, here's another person who, uh, who doesn't have that weakness. How do we figure out how to make things, make, make this the highest use of all of our skill sets throughout the company. Um, it's a shame to me that the world doesn't think that way uh, because it's so obvious that that's what's caused all the prosperity in the world. Uh, but, but it's a lesson that doesn't seem to get picked up. I would say that simple principle, you come here to serve your interests, and in doing that, you serve your interests best by making this team great. That's a simple principle. That's how we operate. I think the culture is the, is the number one thing. Um, one, one thing I would add to that is that we're global, that mm -hmm. we don't think of ourselves as groups. You know, we're an American company, we're a Dutch company, we're this company, we're that company. We think of people as individuals, and we are very much against the us and them kind of thinking that pits groups against each other mm -hmm. or departments against each other. It really is about, no, uh, we're working with like-minded people around the world. We're going to treat each other as individuals. We are uh, assuming good intentions. We're assuming competence. We're going to treat each other with dignity and respect, and that's a big deal. And having, making sure our leaders walk that talk is an important uh, thing for us, particularly as we've grown and have operations uh, you know, all over the world. Right. Yeah, really big point because I don't, I don't think if you let any nationalism creep into how you think, you're not going to think about how do you create uh, this level of win-win globally. Hmm. You'll immediately start to get a, 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 a balkanization in the teams, and I think we've been good at, the, at avoiding that. Jay, I want to talk about your role within the organization because you joined the team in 1979, is that right? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Um, but your role was kind of different from your father's. You, you came in to to focus on growing the business. And you did that through a business philosophy that has helped 
um, Latrum and its operating divisions to thrive here and around the world. I feel like we're getting a lot of business philosophy from you today, which is so fantastic, mm -hmm. but can you parse it down for us um, and talk a little bit about that philosophy and what it has meant to the business? Well, uh, when, I, when I joined the business, uh, we were not, we, we had been successful, but the patents had expired and we had uh, what I'll call the, the destructive, uh, degenerate uh, kind of behaviors that come from success. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Drucker has a quote that I loved. It was, uh, success destroys the characteristics that made it possible initially. Huh. So they had this hungry team that worked and developed uh, shrimp peelers, but then after the patents expired, the business declined. I was... Uh, uh, lucky enough to join right as that was happening. So, sure. Uh, so it made it, <laughs> lucky you. Right. It, 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 it made it easy, actually, because you didn't have any choice, and that's mm -hmm. really one of the benefits of, 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 uh, of being in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an extremely challenging mode. As long as it doesn't kill you, you have the option to, 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 to make things better. <laughs> and we did that, and uh, I guess it was five, six, seven years of, of that struggle, and we started to learn the lessons um, that, uh, you know, from real experience of, of, uh, of what worked and what didn't, and by uh, uh, thinking about our foundational philosophy, the idea that, you know, people have an extraordinary amount of potential that's mostly untapped, and how do you challenge, uh, how do you create the structures and attract people, and one way to do it is not through rules, but through principles. So what are those principles? And we've spent uh, every, uh, I'd say, uh, consistently every year since uh, 87 when we put in the philosophy uh, thinking about what are the principles how do we learn and and uh, we have a, a, a concepts of post-mortems and we have concepts of of how do you better apply these principles and that's what that's what uh, that's what we've done and I think we've gotten you know after uh, you know 40 years of uh, doing this it gets pretty pretty you learn some things so P pretty pretty well refined yeah. huh? yeah. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. great and, and, and some of those principles, uh, you know, r really are about uh, the points we've already made. You, you want uh, people to think in terms of ideas. You mm -hmm. want them to constantly be thinking about how to do something better. The fact that we used to do it that way isn't the key. You want to be thinking customer value. You mm -hmm. want to be thinking win-win. You want to be thinking challenge culture. And I'd say the foundation for every organization is trust. And you, you have to be able to know what to expect from each other, and that's why we say, here are our guidelines, here are our principles, you're signing on to these. Uh, bring your integrity and bring your best effort, and, uh, and, and we'll work well together. And treat people with respect, which Edel really emphasized is a big deal. And those business principles are across all of the operating divisions, including not just here in the U.S., but you know, the glo on the global scale as well. Correct. And, and I, I think over the years we've had uh, cases where we've had some very talented people who did not meet um, what I'll call the cultural side of it. And there's a fine line there where the cultural terrorists are easy, but there are people who just don't, they just can't be uh, uh, as introspective, they, they, can't be, uh, they can't bring the level of integrity that it takes, and those people are no longer with us. Certainly no one in the leadership position mm. uh, that, that is perceived that way. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a, it really is a, a different way of operating globally. Uh, to operate by a set of principles right. as opposed to working through what I would describe as uh, a hierarchy of authority based on a region. Uh, so our teams are organized by industry. So you know, we've used the tire team as an example today. But that team just works globally without having to interface with you know, a German uh, general manager, a Japanese director, or a U.S. director. It just 
operates as a flat organization mm -hmm. working up through, uh, through its team. And the only way that can work is if everyone on that team adheres to these principles and understands what the expectations are. Um, otherwise, it would just fall apart because it's too hard to do um, globally like that. Right. Well, and I, I had read your bio before we came in today, and you worked overseas at Intralox for yes. a while. Did you find that it was similar because those business principles were in place and the philosophy was in place where, you know, you were still seeing the same sorts of things here as you would overseas? Uh, the yes is the answer. I think at that time, which was uh, you know a long time ago, sure. um, we weren't quite as um, far along in, in Europe as we were mm. here. Okay. Uh, but it was actually, uh, the, the principles are quite embraced there. Wonderful. Um, and in some ways, because of the different nationalities, it is a unifying uh, feature. And these principles aren't American features or... Mm -hmm. French features, they're, they're just human features, you know, it's treating universal. people with respect, yeah. uh, working in teams. Yeah. Uh, that's something that most people get. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't really expect it in business, but when they get it, they embrace it typically. Yeah, and I, and I, I would say the point you made earlier that, that uh, what a lot of people like about our business is the global nature. Mm -hmm. I would say, especially in Europe, at the time when we were putting these ideas in philosophy, it was a really balkanized place. I mean, when you go back to 87 in Europe, uh, it was not a place where, where, um, where nationalism was, uh, was viewed as a small thing. It was viewed as a big thing. And coming to us, people were excited and found it refreshing that it was about uh, individuals. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and finding common ground and common interests and working across different nationalities was exciting. Yeah, so. yeah when we yeah. moved to that industry structure away from a regional structure, we used to be organized by region, so by country mm. sales teams. And when we reorganized uh, by industry, then we had to cross those boundaries and, uh, and break through that. And that, that right. worked very well there because of our culture. Right. Almost as challenging as Orleans and Jefferson, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Maybe not that <laughs> um, And speaking of that, uh, Jay, you are very heavily involved in the community. Um, you're focusing on policy, good governance, ethics, <clears throat> transparency perspective. You work with schools, economic development organizations, business organizations. Um, why is it so important for you as, as you know, the, the face of this company, as the leader of the company, um, to get engaged with the community and what is that ultimate value to Latrum and then to the business community as a, mm -hmm. as a whole? Well, I think, I think the, the most important job is, to, is for us to run a good show. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that's, and, and I think we make a bigger contribution to the community uh, by uh, running a good business, setting the example. Uh, but I also think that uh, all of what I'll call the other organizations that are out doing great work uh, are, are vital uh, because we're so interdependent in, in what we do. And if, if we find that we can help uh, and we can help to, uh, to, to enable uh, building the kind of environment that's going to attract people uh, to this community, that's going to benefit us long term. Mm -hmm. the, 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 and at, at the end, I think I mentioned this earlier, ha having, having all of these, uh, these organizations be highly effective. I mean, when you have a great education system, that attracts people. When right. you have uh, you know, a, a high quality of life, that attracts mm -hmm. people. 
So that and and uh, you, you know universities, schools, they're all uh, magnets for uh, for for, uh, for the kind of uh, life that people want, um, and that's our employee base. So those things matter. We mentioned earlier that Latrim is known for innovation, which is a real focus of Jedco's on a community and economic development level as well. So we are consistently looking toward the future and identifying ways in which we can bring Jefferson Parish to the next level of success. So how can we as a parish better facilitate innovation in the region from maybe a business perspective? I know we had talked maybe about some of those things like ride sharing and entrepreneurship, innovative, um, scalable reentry models, those kinds of things. That's a pretty interesting question. I think that um, uh, that attracting innovative companies is no different than attracting any other companies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same the same basics. You want to have a business-friendly climate. You want to have uh, an ability to be able to respond when something isn't done that ought to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never, in my view, asked for something that we wouldn't think um, that anyone else in our in our position ought to get from the point of view of the benefit of the community. So I think that that level of what I'll call business friendly is is uh, is important. But I think it's a huge opportunity, and it's 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 kind of shocking that you don't see it much. But uh, to bring technology to government services, and um, I don't know if that's in the scope of Jedco's mission. But but to me, the ability to to use uh, technology and uh, what I'll call the uh, the sharing platform, which mm-hmm. is rideshare and uh, you know uh, Airbnb or any of those sorts of things, but th- that opportunity to do that with government services is is fantastic, mm-hmm. and the use of technology to improve government services yeah. and not think of it. You know, th- this is the big the, in government. What you see in most industries, what you see is when someone is doing something that's innovative. That means it's disruptive to someone else. Right. And that means I'm going to go figure out how to talk to a <laughs> lobbyist or a legislator or somebody mm-hmm. to protect and stop that. And that's that's the death knell of uh, the more you have of that, then the more people say I'm going to go somewhere else. And um, government is particularly that way because it's it's uh, it's faced it's it's faced with. If you, if you actually improve efficiency, then you have to change jobs and you have to change the nature of what people do. And, and I think the, the more we could challenge ourselves to do that, the better off we'd be. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, examples, I mean, rideshare and RTA, you know. There you go. The, uh, the, the idea that you could develop, um, uh, you know, much more frequent uh, mass transit along along uh, stable lines and and fewer what I'll call you know sort of webs but more main backbones mm-hmm. so people could move very long distances in very short periods of time I'm confident you could cut cost and travel time and fill the buses uh, by doing that and yeah. then have people take care of their own last mile sure because there's so many ways of doing that and and the more we could think that way uh, the, the better um, the ability to fill potholes ought to be uh-huh. as, ought to be as simple as uh, can I get a contract crew that uh, that signs up and quotes and then and then uh, that crew says you know they fill it they, they fill it the ability to do blighted properties all those sorts of things ought to be some somewhere on the government horizon of saying how do I change the incentives and enable business models to get stuff like this done but I'm confident it's not on their horizons. Well, it's I will good, say. Yeah. Um, I know that they are, at least from a Jefferson Parish perspective, looking into some of the ride sharing. They're mm-hmm. testing it out on Metairie Road right now as a replacement Terrific. to buses, I think, is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But 
they're they're definitely trying. I think there's a there's a focus in looking at um, trying to trying to get to that next level of the future and getting people where they need to be in a uh, timely that's, fashion. That, that, that's, that's terrific <laughs> yeah. to hear, and, I'm, and if, to the extent Jedco's playing a role, that's marvelous. Uh, I would also say that the ideal business model is to create uh, something where someone makes a profit mm -hmm. because uh, profit is uh, when someone's got skin in the game with, uh, with, uh, with both profit and loss, they're going to work a lot harder to figure out how to make it work than if it's uh, than if it's a volunteer. Sure, gig or, sure. Uh, right. it, so, it, it, well, <coughs> just listening to that, it, it makes me think about our our business and our. You know, we talked about invention mm -hmm. earlier, and so much of it is the creative process, right. coming up with new ways to do things and thinking out of the box. And some of those ideas aren't good, but some are good, and those are the real game changers. And why not do that in uh, in Jefferson Parish? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we had a we had a pretty interesting um, situation with uh, with modular plastic and thermo drive, and you might describe uh, yeah, that well, because they're very disruptive. It's it's cannibalizing our own yeah. core. There was a product that was invented by a company in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm -hmm. and we saw this, and it was a, a, a in some ways a more hygienic product um, for certain applications in the food industry, which is our biggest industry. And the uh, you know the thought was, well, gee, this this could be disruptive and cannibalize some of our business. So our thought was, we said, well, we better get that product. And so hmm. we looked at different ways to do it. Ultimately, we acquired it, and we've invested a lot in it. And uh, it is disruptive, and we're sure. glad we have it. Yeah, but uh, the, the, the obvious, gee, let's fight it, uh, yeah. would be one. Or do we say, no, what's best for customers, and how do we figure sure. out how we have to be in that game at, at, yeah. at the at a world-class best in, right. uh, in breed level, and that's what, we, that's what we did. And to that point, and you've touched on this just a little bit earlier, but Latrum has been in Jefferson Parish for a long time, mm -hmm. 40, 45 years. Can you talk about some of the benefits of doing business in Jefferson Parish and, and maybe even talking, I mean, we do a lot of business, do a lot of work with Latrum um, here at Jedco too. Mm -hmm. So um, can you talk about some of, some of, some of that? I think Jefferson was a great, a great choice. My father uh, uh, made the decision. We were down on uh, South Peter Street uh, in the warehouse district, and there were a lot of people who, who wanted to, uh, to move to New Orleans East. Uh, Jay and my father said, no, I want to move, uh, move, move to Jefferson. I want to be on high ground near, uh, near the levee. Uh, because I want to move closer to the airport, which was uh, which was a big, a really great move. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know his other reasons. I'm not sure what else, but but I think what we found is that it's a it, it's a terrific location for uh, a, for us from a, a business access uh, a, a employee access. It's also uh, business friendly. From the earliest days, we always found that that if we had a problem that was reasonable, we could get someone that would uh, that would help us and be be thinking how do we help business and not make it difficult. And I think JEDCO has pro provided a really uh, a great role in that regard. Uh, you know, Jerry, Lacey, others have been, uh, have been terrific in helping us work through what I think it remains a bit of an irrational tax structure in the, in the mm -hmm. state. It's uh, the idea that if you, if you tax business, you, you make uh, citizens better off. And that's kind of the idea is that we don't need to to have the tax level be very high for individuals, we can make the tax level high on business. The end result of that is, is that businesses have choices, and they can go where they, 
want, and I think JEDCO has done a good job of trying to say how can we structure in a way sure. that allows business to, uh, to, 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 to be beneficial to the parish and the state, but also be, uh, be attractive and work through uh, structures that help do that. And, uh, and that's a vital role. You know, let's talk about the Conscious Capitalism Initiative. I know this is important to you. Can you talk a little bit about first what this is, but then also what it means to you and how it impacts your business? Yeah, Conscious Capitalism is a group that was formed uh, by John Mackey, the founder of uh, Whole Food, and it has a number of of principles. Um, For me, the ones that that matter are, uh, first, that free enterprise is a system uh, consisting of billions of voluntary transactions that raises the standard of living across the globe, and I think that's an important uh, reminder uh, that is needed uh, at times in, uh, uh, in, in discussion, and I think that's a big deal. Um, but the, the core tenets are just, for me, common sense ways to, to run a business. Uh, it, it, it's a belief in a long-term view of business, not taking short-term mm-hmm. sort of financial shortcuts, not being obsessed with quarterly results, but thinking about <coughs> a, a long-term perspective, and that's, uh, that, that's important. It's caring about one's employees, uh, treating people with respect. And it's also the idea that we're not looking for uh, unfair advantage through government intervention, uh, that we're against uh, what's commonly called uh, crony capitalism. And I think all of these ideas are, uh, are, are quite important uh, and worth uh, expressing. I don't know that it's, this is what we do in our business, so it's not something that will directly affect our business, but I do think forming a chapter in New Orleans um, is it's a healthy message uh, mm-hmm. for, uh, for business leaders. Excellent. You both have talked a lot about your people and your company culture. This is that hot button topic that I think a lot of people are interested in right now is how you engage with employees, how you retain them, how you identify those quality employee, employees who really fit in with your culture. And we know that you have a really great culture um, and a real focus too, not just on the way that your employees work together, but also on wellness and making sure there are some things that are in place here to really ensure that your employees are getting everything that they need. So. Um, can you talk about maybe some of those wellness initiatives? Can you talk about your company culture? Sure. I think the, the, the overwhelming foundation is how do you make the highest use of each person's work and how do you make sure that that person is bringing uh, a, a, what I'll call an A-level effort and doing A-level work. So if if, a, if someone's in a job that they're not succeeding in, we're going to figure out how do we assess whether that person can be more successful in that job, what tools they need. We're going to figure out whether that ter- person is in the right job, whether they should be doing something else. But we don't want, uh, at the end of the day, to be supervising. We want people to be self-managed. And we want to organize by, and we use this term a lot now, uh, what I'll call a team of high-performance teams. We want the work groups to really be the, uh, the, the center of, uh, of, of, of each person's you know, uh, activity. And the teams know. They know who's, uh, who's doing great work and they know who's not. <clears throat> and the challenge is to say have everyone on the team do great work, have everyone be aligned with the goals and values of the company, and have everyone be thinking, how can I make a bigger and bigger impact? So the better we get that framed. And once you get that in place and you get some success, then it's also easy to bring all of our call the 
the uh, the hygiene issues where you help people in their lives. And uh, I think we have more to go, but I think uh, health, wellness, all those are, are basic. You know, the, the, the job isn't just to uh, to make money and then die. The job is to is to actually <laughs> enjoy yourself. Um, and, uh, and, and part of that is, uh, is achievement and part of it is, is money and part of it is, uh, taking care of yourself and your values, your family, the things that matter to you. And that's the, that's the end game. Yeah. Right. I think there's also an, an alignment here of company interest and uh, employee interest, you know, with the, the significant profit sharing that we do and the variable compensation structure so that we're all in it together, that's excellent. Um, which is a, an important overlay to, to everything we do and again is also part of the long-term uh, perspective uh, that that we have this idea of, of people working in small teams with uh, you know doing important work uh, uh, and bringing passion to it you know, is a wonderful thing and when you're part of something like that you you look back on your career with a lot of pride you know pride in what the work you did the people you worked with um, and that's important. And if we could have that in every area, that would be uh, the ideal for us. It's not easy to do. You know, if you look at a team of high-performance teams, I, we know right now we have teams that aren't that are struggling in some mm -hmm. way or another, for sure. Because we have, you know, it's just somewhere. But where the goal is to improve in all those areas. And I think, as, as Jay mentioned, as you become more aware of what 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 helps people, it, it's often it is sort of. Uh, some of these softer uh, values uh, that, 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 that come into, into the workplace, you know, people feeling healthy, mindfulness, uh, different things that we wouldn't have thought of maybe 20 years ago today we're much more aware of. So. Yeah. And I think that uh, uh, you hit it, 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 it and I want to really reinforce it, that we don't pretend that we've achieved it and we have this uh, – this, uh, perfect culture sure. we are far from it uh, but what we are is explicit about what we're trying to get done mm -hmm. and we're not uh, at all reticent or ashamed or quiet that gee to the extent we have people who don't belong here uh, we need to make sure that they're either making the choice to improve and change and get better or they're making the choice to leave or and if they don't make it we make it sure. and that's that's explicit for us we can't have we're not a family uh, we're, we're in, in that sense we're a we're a, a, a globally competitive team, and if we don't compete globally, uh, the, the rest of it's all going to implode, and that's the first and most important priority. And then once people kind of make the team, you know, then it makes it uh, easy to treat everyone at a level where uh, they really are valuable contributors to mm -hmm. what we do. And that's, that's what makes all the rest of these pieces so easy uh, sure. when you when you globally competitive to start with. No, yeah. I, I think that's great that you people know what they are getting to, into when they come to Latrum, mm -hmm. and in a good way, of course. <laughs> so, what gets you out of bed every morning? What makes you want to do this work? It's challenging and it's fun, and uh, for me, it's uh, it's the most rewarding thing um, that I think I could have done with uh, with my life is figure out how do you how do you uh, you know make that that small dent in the universe and the way you know what at whatever level um, doing your best giving your best shot making uh, the, the, the the do the best work whatever you do that that uh, if that's not inspiring then uh, you're not thinking it through and uh, for me this was uh, you know I uh, 
I would have had uh, real trouble uh, in lots of fields, uh, but in the idea, in the area of connecting principles to business, uh, I think uh, I think these are absolutely the, the right principles and the everyday work of, of, of having people embrace them is uh, extremely rewarding to me. So. It's, a, it's a hell of a lot of fun to work in an environment like this with this kind of culture in place and to try to, um, you know, have good things happen, you know, whether it's working with uh, wonderful people or solving customer problems or uh, growing the business. You know, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Right. Sure. And sometimes even going through the, the, the struggles and the adversity, it, you know, at the moment it's kind of misery, but when you, when you, when you sort of pull together and get through it, it's a, yeah. that's a great feeling too. Mm-hmm. Well, if it were if it were always easy, then the, then the, then the sense of achievement would, uh, would sure. be uh, non-existent. <laughs> right. Um, what is your favorite invention created across your operating divisions? What what stands out to you? We have one right now, which is the the newest new thing in the logistics space. And if yeah. uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it because I don't want to jinx it right now. Sure. But it's a. But if that works, it will be a, a spectacular day. Uh, yeah. but that's a new, new one. Yeah. We also have had a lot of creativity uh, outside of products. Um, you know, right. I think the the invention, if you will, of our customer service department, which was years ago, uh, before before I started, was a really fantastic invention. You know, the idea that customers can call, somebody will respond immediately, knows their industry. Uh, that was a, a big deal. So there's, there's creativity in a lot of places, not just on the product side, but on the, the commercial side, the business model side. I find that uh, a lot of fun, too. We know you just opened a new facility in Hammond. You're constantly innovating new products. What is next on the horizon for Latrum? Well, I think Edel touched on it. We're, we're continually working on um, innovation uh, in, in the, in the uh, product field. We're, we're continually chipping away at improving the culture and the performance of the teams. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are very clear. I would say that, that the, uh, the Hammond uh, experience and how Jedco and Jefferson have also responded has been, been important. Uh, we're a global company, and we can position uh, what I'll call centers of excellence, whatever they happen to be, uh, anywhere in the globe. It makes a lot of sense for us if we can have it be uh, a business-friendly place and, and have the growth be primarily in Jefferson because that's that's where our other critical mass is. But we also have critical masses now clearly established in lots of other places, Hammond being nearby, but also uh, other places in the U.S. outside of uh, Baltimore, uh, up in uh, Grand Rapids area, and uh, several places globally. So it, 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 it's important that, that um, Jefferson and uh, the, what I'll call the, the political process continues to be one that recognizes we're trying to a- attract and develop great businesses because if we don't do that and we start thinking about all we need to do is, is, uh, is sort of um, a tax or regulate or capitalize mm-hmm. to, to, to milk these companies, sure. then the end result is that we're going to kill them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's one thing we know for right. sure is that our team, we're never resting on our laurels. I mean, it really is such a focus on ensuring that we are bringing the new business, the new investment, the foreign direct investment, employees. I mean, that is also important to JEDCO. And and I think one of the things I've appreciated about about the Jefferson 
JEDCO as well as uh, uh, what I'll call the, the dominant political response is the recognition that it's not just attracting new business, it's also figuring out how do you enable oh, yeah. the existing businesses Absolutely. to uh, to be successful yeah. because that's the bigger core. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We, we say all the time that right. 80% of jobs created are created <clears throat> from existing businesses in our community. Right. Right. And you, you think about that, um, and just for example, food safety is a giant issue around the world. We play a major role uh, in that uh, in the food industry, and we have a center of excellence uh, with a product line in Grand Rapids. So we have choices when it comes to whether we expand here or there, and that's not a bad place to do business. Um, and recently we expanded here in, in Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But those are, the, I think, Jay, an yeah. example of what you're talking about. Exactly. But that's a big opportunity, I think, for the state, uh, for Jefferson to take advantage of, is this food safety effort. That's an example of something that's big, and we're involved in it. Um, I think the whole software digital uh, world uh, is moving to the business-to-business uh, environment, um, and so when we think about, you know, technology companies and cool companies, we, you know, conveyor belts may not sound like one of those, but we think we could be one of those because of our position. Now we haven't achieved that, but we think that's uh, quite possible. Mm-hmm. Well, it's 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 actually the way it'll evolve because mm-hmm. it's applying the digital information game to those specific yeah. applications and industry, and we're positioned to do that in a, in a lot of our places. Yeah, right? We've been so, investing right. pretty heavily exactly. in, that, in that area well, right here in Jefferson. That. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's the kind of thing we like to hear <laughs> on this podcast and outside of the podcast. Um, last question. Is there anything that I have missed now that we've been talking for quite some time? Is there anything that you want to add or mention that I have not asked? that you think is important to share? Um, I'm sure afterwards we'll, we'll come up with <laughs> lots of things that we should have said, done different, but uh, I thought this was well done on your part. And oh, thank you. thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. I appreciate okay. your time yeah. very, very much. I know you guys are both really busy, so thank you sure. for doing this and being a part of our show. Thank you. Thank you. A special thanks to Jay and Edel for taking time out of their busy schedules to be on the show. Their thoughtful responses to my questions were so very appreciated. If this is your first time tuning into the show, there are plenty more episodes where this one came from. We've now released the first full season of Jefferson Parish Pulse. That's 10 episodes focused mostly on the manufacturers that have helped to make this area a hub for business and innovation. We share links to all of our episodes on our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jedco underscore news and on Facebook at Jefferson Parish Economic Development. You can also visit our website at jedco.org. As I've mentioned, this is the season one finale. We'll be taking a short break over the holidays and we'll return in the first quarter of 2020 with new episodes, new content, and a new industry cluster to feature. All of those episodes will continue to be released on Thursdays. In the meantime, please take a listen to the episodes we've already released and feel free to share your thoughts. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback about the show or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please email me at kscram at jedco.org. As always, thank you so much for listening. See you back here next year. What is your favorite invention created across your operating divisions what what stands out to you well for me it's the last one Whatever always the last, the last one, one. <laughs> right after you get it right no I, I would say the one that you're currently struggling with and the and the one you just finished and made a success those sure. are my two favorites always <laughs> you know, we, i love we, that we, we, yeah.